Welcome to the Podcock Peacast. I'm your host, the only Tyler Peacock. Joining me on the program um, is my cohort, partner in crime here, uh, Bobby Russell. What's up? Oh, hey, everybody. It's just the, the dog days of summer before summer's even started. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure wherever everybody is listening from uh, just feels like it's brutally hot across the, the entire United States of America, especially down here. Or uh, in the in the Buckeye State down here in Southeast Ohio and Central Ohio where you're at, so brutal. Stay hydrated, I guess, would be the lesson from this episode. Yes, buy uh, buy stock in Gatorade right now, even though we're uh, <laughs> heading towards a recession. Yeah, oh yeah, that's uh, that's another podcast. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's anyway, our, uh, that's our uh, government podcast we do on the weekends. Yeah, yeah, fuck the man is what it's called. Um, anyway. <laughs> Um, I don't know. We'll talk. We, we'll probably circle back around to a little bit of F1 talk at the end. Um, can do a little bit of a U.S. Open, uh, the third major in golf preview, Stanley Cup final preview. But um, just real quick off the top, uh, NBA Finals. Right. Well, we're pretty much at the end of it. Uh, one or two games left. You are a Celtics fan. We did talk about. Uh, in, in our preview a couple of weeks ago on the, our latest uh, episode of the pod, uh, the NBA finals. And I feel like you and I, without trying to, or maybe with trying to, we both kind of hit the nail on the head. I'm curious to see what you think, but I feel like you were like the, one of the keys for your Celtics was taking care of the basketball. And mm-hmm. that has been an issue for them. And, I said an X factor for, for the Warriors in the series would just be that that championship finals pedigree experience, and I feel like that's kind of what um, I don't know. I, uh, series, but um, I don't really know how we're here. But we're here, three two Warriors lead um, game six tomorrow night. Is it? Yeah, that's when we record on a Wednesday. Yeah, so Celtics in their in their home building, uh, obviously a must win. Uh, but just your recap and, and thoughts on the series as it's played out so far. Yeah, from an entertainment standpoint, this series has been incredible. Uh, two great offenses, mm-hmm. two of the best two defenses in the NBA. Um, and it, it's been a lot of defense in the key moments, and especially in the fourth quarters in these most recent games. Um, and obviously in the first uh, game one with the Celtics in that incredible fourth quarter they had. Um from a Celtics fan standpoint, it's incredibly frustrating. The, the series should be over. We, we should have closed this out uh, on, what, Monday night? Um, came back in the third quarter there. Our, our finally had a good third quarter in the series, only to have another stinker in the fourth quarter. Um, and then obviously blowing the, the home court at home in game four. So Celtics, they like you said, we said it a long time ago. It, it, it's turnovers and transition. Uh, they that's where they're lacking these last two games um, co- coming up in game six here. I, I think, you know, they've been here before down three, two to Milwaukee down up three, two and, you know, give one up at home to the, the heat and go to a game seven. So that they know what the task is at hand. And I, I think if the Celtics win Thursday night, they're winning this in seven. Um, I, I don't, I don't think they leave golden state without uh, the championship. Yeah. I mean, I don't feel – I mean, obviously the the Warriors with with the chance to close it out tomorrow night or whenever you listen to this, to this maybe they have already. Um, obviously they have a leg up in the series, but I don't know. I, I just – I'm, I'm kind of with you in a way where, like, this Golden State team, they're good, um, deserve to be here, no doubt about it, but um, – I just don't have a great feel for how the series has went so far because, mm-hmm. like you mentioned it, I mean, Boston could have, you know, if it wasn't for Steph Curry having a, a hell of a game four and the Celtics having the, their own hand in, in blowing that game, like that's a 3-1 lead. And then, I mean, the Warriors are kind of fortunate that Steph played so bad in game five and they still got the win, but the Celtics roared back and – and you know, you, you're right. The, the third quarter was, uh, and game five was big. So I, I feel like either way, it could kind of be over by now on both sides. Um, but I don't know. I just feel like 
the ebbs and flows of, of this series, I, I kind of agree. Maybe we do get a game seven. Um, but I, it's just – I picked the Celtics in six. I'm going to stay with the Celtics winning this one. Uh, but just um, now you get – I mean, not that you haven't watched the Warriors in the finals before, but it is just so fucking maddening uh, going up against those guys. Like as a LeBron fan, saw it four straight years. Um you, you put yourself in a great position defensively and and they got, you know, a guy that can hit these ridiculous amount of tough shots and also Clay. I know it's a different evolution of this team uh, with Wiggins and and uh, their other core pieces or, or role players, but, yeah, it's maddening as hell. So I'll, I'll stay with the Celtics. I picked them in six. Obviously, that can't happen, but I think they go in Thursday night, backs against the wall, kitchen sink game burn the boats, get it done, and then anything could happen in a game seven. So um, I think they're they're bigger, more athletic. they got to use that to their advantage uh, in these next two games. And mm-hmm. hopefully they do that uh, for my prediction's sake so I look like a, a smart guy. Any any last thoughts on it? Yeah, you said it there. You know, you know, I watched the finals every year when they were in against Cleveland. I mean, what was it, three, two, three, four straight years of it? And, yep. you know, every year I'm just like – it, I liken it to the Tom Brady Patriots. Like, you know when the run's coming. You know when it's going to turn. You just got to give it time. And mm-hmm. no matter what you do, it's inevitable. Um, so, yeah, it, it's super maddening. Celtics in seven. Um, I, I, I just, I just want to see one of my teams win a championship to start the decade. Fair enough. All right, let's move on. Um, Stanley Cup finals are here. Uh, those – Tampa Bay Lightning. They are back in the finals, third straight season. Um, they're actually an underdog in this series. Depending on where you shop it, you can get it anywhere from plus 145 to 155 for the series. Uh, on the other end, uh, the Colorado Avalanche, who swept the Oilers. Um, they're, what are they, 12-2 and two in the playoffs? Yeah. Just two, steamrolling two, people. Two sweeps. Yeah, two sweeps and then that middle series against uh, the Blues um, went, went six, but they kind of controlled uh, the majority of that action. So no fluke. They've been great all year. Anyway, they're minus anywhere from minus 170 to minus 190 uh, for the series here. So real quick, I'm just going to bounce these off from you. Um, well, uh, well, just your thoughts. I guess we'll get that first. Just your thoughts on, on the matchup here. I think you and I were both kind of on the same page uh, looking at the conference finals. Like any matchup was, you know, going to be satisfactory, probably produce a pretty good um, Stanley Cup finals. Um, do you still think that? What, what's your thoughts heading into this uh, series starting tonight here in a little bit? Yeah, the the lightning fatigue has set in. Um, yeah. I, I, I feel like every year, even if the Bruins aren't in it, I usually tune into like a full game or two of the Stanley Cup. Like this one, I, I, I'm, I'm obviously pulling for the Avalanche. I feel like they've earned the right to be here. They've had the best year in a long time. Um, and it feels like the team that everyone thought would get to the Cup and win it, it this is like one of the first years that I think that's really um, stayed true uh, with the Avalanche. Uh, the Lightning, we've, we've seen them be vulnerable. Um, you know, it looks like they're getting like Braden Point back tonight, first time since May. Um, so that'll be a big boost for them. But the way I look at this game um, is it three different phases. You know, goaltending, Tampa Bay has the extreme uh, advantage there. Defense, Colorado, and then offense and special teams, Tampa Bay has the advantage there. Uh, so if, if the Colorado can keep everything in front of them and they can play the game at their own pace, I think it'll be in the, being a good series, um, seeing punch and counter punch from each team. Yeah, I well, I was gonna. That was a pretty good segue. I was gonna jump into what what groupings you thought had uh, the advantage, of, and I I agree with you. Like, you know, probably the top end, you know, the top six forwards. I I would give, and it's not a big margin. I don't think you think that either. Mm-hmm. But you would probably give out to to Colorado, um, or or Tampa. Yeah, but Colorado's close. Um, I think yeah, McCarr is such a difference maker on the, on the defensive end for them. I think, yeah, you give Colorado the advantage there and then goaltending. 
I don't care um, what net what netminder enters the the crease for Colorado. Eighty eight is just he's a house. Uh, he's locked in this time of year for for uh, for the Lightning there, um, Vasilevsky. So I don't know from a gambling standpoint. I kind of gave it two rounds to 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 pick against. I've never actually bet actual money against them, but for them to catch plus money, very enticing. I I think that um, that's kind of the side you go for there. Um, what what's your thoughts on just the series price? I mean, do you agree with that, or do you think Colorado um, the the wagon keeps rolling and they're just going to be unstoppable in the finals? Yeah, for, from from the gambling standpoint, I think I'm I'm taking Tampa Bay. I'm hammering Tampa Bay if I can get them at plus money in the series, mm-hmm. uh, whether it be in six or seven. I think I think that's going to be the best value. Is if it goes seven, I think the Lightning win the series. I feel like you know three straight finals. How many Stanley Cup playoff games have they played in the last four years? Like the experience matters, especially in these bigger stages when there's. More, more surrounding the game, you know, longer pre-games, longer pe- intermissions, and you're going to have different things here and there, the media obligations. So I, Tampa Bay is well-conditioned for that. I think it'll be kind of a shock, and it's kind of the same thing the Celtics are going through. You know, they're not used to being in the finals as the Warriors have been, you know, six or seven years, um, the past ten years. So I, I think experience matters there. And from a gambling standpoint, I don't think you can go wrong putting money on and making positive money if the lightning pull this one off. Yeah, and I like I said, I get I get why Colorado's uh the favorite as Vegas installed them as the favorite in this series. Um hell of a season. They've been dominant, but yeah, to get plus money with the lightning is crazy. Now I think you could attack this one of two ways if you are trying to, to bet um, oh, it is a short favorite. I mean, you could bet Colorado before puck drops here in game one, but maybe, you know, Tampa steals game one tonight. Then the, the odds will probably flip a little bit and you can catch Colorado plus money for the series. Mm-hmm. But I I think you can look here at the con smite list. Uh, Cal McCarr pre series is plus one eighty five. McKinnon is plus two forty. Uh Miko Rantanen's plus three thousand. Uh, Landeskog, Gabriel Landeskog's plus five thousand. Um, you know, those are the, the top four uh, guys for Colorado on that side. All better value than the series price. So, and I feel like <laughs> probably McCarr, McKinnon, but one of those top four or five guys for Colorado is going to have to get it done to to win the con Smite. So. There's better value in there, so if you kind of just daisy chain that con smite bet uh, and thinking the Avalanche are going to win, I think that's the other way to attack this series mm-hmm. uh, from a gambling aspect. Um, do you have Do you have a guy you like either side con smite that just kind of c- comes to the forefront of your mind? Yeah, I, I feel like this might be a year when you're going to get you know a you know a second third line type guy comes through and scores you know four or five goals in this series. And the, the one guy that you said right there that I kind of got my eye on for this is Gabriel Landeskog, uh, longtime Avalanche member. Uh, he's a great scorer. He's a good defensive back checker. Um, and I, I really think that he could make a difference in this, especially playing on that second, third line, um, going up against some of the gritty and grinder guys um, like Pat Maroon for, for the Lightning. Um, so I think, you know, if he has a solid series, good plus minus, you know, a couple goals, a couple game winning goals special teams goals. Uh, I feel like you're going to see him pull, lifting that trophy at the end of the series. Yeah. I, and I, I agree with that where, I mean, also Kadri could be a guy. He's at plus 10,000. He's one of those guys too. that has got a little, little rough edge to his game, a little grit likes to mix it up, but, but can score goals. Um, but I, I think in order for Colorado to, to win this series, two things. I think they're going to have to do the dirty work in this series, you know, block shots. They got to do what Tampa Bay's done the last couple of years in the playoffs and, and, and just, you know, play a gritty hockey game, uh, block shots. Don't take a ton of penalties. Um, 
you know, crisp passing, no, not a lot of turnovers. And then I think that bottom six is going to be crucial. I, and I think, you know, anytime you get uh, later in a series, um, there's so much attention to detail um, to the top lines and, and so much attention paid to those on both sides. I, I think, you know, like you mentioned, um, a guy that we're not thinking of uh, could be, uh, you know, that that out of nowhere consmite guy that, you know, tallies, you know, 10, 10, 12 points in the, in the finals and has a couple of big goals or big assists. So I'm with you. Um, so I don't know. I, I kind of like Kalorn, Alex Kalorn a little bit at plus mm-hmm. 30,000. Um, my boy, Sergachev. I don't know why I just love Sergachev's game for the lightning as well. He's at plus 30,000. So those are two dark horses that I don't hate. Um, JT Comfer, also plus 30,000 for the Avalanche, my boy from Michigan. Um, he's had a few goals this playoff run. He's one of those bottom six guys. So um, I don't know. I, I, I think it goes – I think it goes – I don't know if I'm going to say seven, but I, I think we get a competitive series there. I just can't do it. You know, gun the head prediction time here. I just can't pick against the Lightning. I'm not rooting for the Lightning. They're just like, – they're, they're tough and – they got that championship pedigree and, and um, I've heard people, I'm sure you have too. I've heard people compare this kind of to like 1983, 84, you know, at the back end of that New York Islanders run that started the eighties, the Oilers with Gretzky come up and they don't get it done in 83, but they get it done in 84. So is this going to be this version, you know, this era's version of 83 where the lightning keep the reins but maybe we get a rematch next year as crazy as that sounds or is this going to be 84 where this kind of jump starts uh an, an avalanche run so i mean what what's your prediction here and your thoughts on any kind of storylines uh in the series yeah my favorite storyline i'll start with that just piggybacking right off that um pat maroon going for four straight stanley Cups. yeah that's crazy one with the blues two with the lightning so far and going for his fourth here um there'd be a hell of a run um uh, for him and that, that's kind of the one storyline that i am rooting for for the lightning to win this series i'm not rooting for them i want the avalanche to win i want to see a, a new team on there i want to see a new face of the league um and i want to see Tampa bay get done to them what they've done to everybody for the last three years um so i i got i want i'm rooting for the avalanche with that being said i'm picking the lightning in six um yeah i i feel like they like the pedigree uh they know the task at hand they've played a lot of hockey they've been up and down this postseason um you know the big storyline that they've never lost a back-to-back game in the stanley cup playoffs the last few years that's over and done with now so they're on a new streak and I, I think they just get this one done and get it done quick yeah i mean they just they just went about their business and kind of won a tough game three in their home building after being down 0-2 in the east finals to the rangers and then that that got the proverbial ball rolling um i don't know i don't know how hockey works in a sense um i guess i don't know how basketball or football the the old rest versus rust debate goes but um i don't know colorado they've had a ton of time off here so they're they're well rested but you know they're kind of the younger team that probably wouldn't have needed it but everybody's banged up at this point in the season so i think that um i don't know really how you monitor that until after the series is over but um i mean i'm 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 pretty excited for it um I'm glad hockey kind of gets their own stage too. I think I saw if it goes to seven, it'll be the 28th of uh, June. Will be a game seven, so um, and and the NBA finals will be over um, tomorrow night or by the end of this week. So hockey will at least have two nights, maybe up to five nights alone in the spotlight. So um, and all the games are on ABC, and uh, I think all of them are at eight Eastern puck drops um colorado in the central time zone still starting it at eight so that's good that's one advantage hockey has right now over the nba is just the start times mm-hmm. all righty all right let's go to the u.s open we're flying through this one which is perfectly perfectly fine with me man um so okay i was here's 
I don't know if I explained it. Little uh, in show production meeting, if you will, here. Um, I, I sent Bobby a rundown, and I'm like, let's build a uh, a team, like a FanDuel, a daily fantasy team, um, for the U.S. Open, and that'll kind of help give us a little preview. I feel like, mm-hmm. you know, I think you get six golfers, so you know, I mean, you'll probably have a favorite a high high salary favorite in there and then kind of a mid-level guy and then a dark horse guy here coming up but US Open is this weekend um again I say this anytime we talk golf on this podcast um I'm kind of a major snob like I'll watch a tournament if there's nothing to watch on the weekends but uh I get to the television and and follow uh the majors US Open like this might take my my American like patriotic card away. It's the third if I'm power ranking the majors. Masters is number one for me. Uh, I love the British Open. It's number two, and then U.S. Open, a very close top three, and then the PGA I could could completely fuck off here. But um, we're in we're in Mass Brookline uh, at the Country Club, um, par seventy. It's a seventy two hundred yard plus course. Uh, 156 players, winning share, uh, 3.1 million. It's a 17 and a half million dollar prize fund purse. I don't know if you've been, um, you know, kind of following this a little bit, but um, classic U.S. Open course. Uh, it's dried out, firm as hell already, so that's gonna make conditions um, very difficult. Small greens, tiny greens as well. <laughs> um, so you got to be pinpoint accurate. So. I don't think a huge uh, low number is going to win this thing, but your thoughts on the course, if you have any, um, and just U.S. Open in general, your excitement level, all that. Yeah, as a, as a correspondent for the, the Live Golf Tour now, I, I really can't speak on this. Um, no, I, I would never take that much blood money. Um, but seriously, uh, yeah, I, I, the U.S. Open, I think it's, it's kind of 2B for me. It, it's... All right. Like, like I, I'd give the Masters the edge over the Open, and then uh, the British Open's my my favorite. Um, so I, I do like the courses. You know, they played at Aaron Hills in Wisconsin a few years ago. Um, it it kind of gives you like Ohio golf course vibes, like lots of hills, lots of like you know tall grass, um, lots of sand that you can get in trouble with. So I, I really like the Open courses that they pick. Um, you know, it would be cool one year to see him do like Memorial U.S. Open back to back at the same course. I, it'll never happen, but I think that would be like my my ultimate dream placement for like a U.S. Open. Um, but I'm ex- I'm excited for it. I, I love when it challenge. I love seeing scores uh, after on Sunday at like minus two, pl- minus one, plus one. Like, yeah, it makes these guys like human sometimes. Yeah, yeah absolutely. It makes them makes them think. Make like you can see it like wrenching on their brain. Um, how, trying to figure out a course and then especially in, in boston you, you get a nor'easter up there you get like some howling winds and everything coming off the ocean um it'll, it'll make for a really good you know interesting round if there is some weather like that um so i, I feel like the course is going to be uh you know part of my take always is that they're we're rooting for the course where we're course fans um it's kind of <laughs> that's kind of what i am this week yeah i think you're gonna get your wish too i mean um, if mass, I mean, I get a different area, different climate, but, um, I know it's supposed to level off temperature wise a little bit in this area, uh, the rest of this weekend, but just still feels like hot, um, hot conditions. Like I said, all the reports from like the practice rounds and stuff like that is just babies, um, dried out and firm and, and fast. So, um, it's going to be a challenge. So, all right, let's get into the strap. Um, I'll just be the gentleman here and take the uh, the second pick. Um, we don't have to snake this. We'll just alternate. So um, I got a FanDuel lineup. I'll enter it. Um, you know, I, I think I entered a, a $1 competition, $4,000 is the pool. So we're not getting crazy here. So um, if you were entering half of a lineup here, uh, where would your first pick be? First pick for me, you know, I kind of got dogged on because I didn't pick him in the PGA. 
Um, my guy, Jordan Spieth, I feel like he's due, you know, the, the week after the PGA, he won a big tournament. Uh, and I feel like he's, you know, had a few weeks off, hasn't played in a while. Uh, I feel like he's in the right frame of mind. He's a U.S. Open winner at uh, Pebble Beach, so he knows how to win a U.S. Open. He knows how to play a long course, um, and I, I feel like he's my he's my favorite pick this week. All right, he's eleven thousand three hundred dollars uh, salary. Um, one to about the seventh highest salary here. So I've installed him into the lineup here. Um, I'm gonna go with the guy. Hasn't got it done yet in the major, but, man, he keeps knocking on the door. Um, I feel like at least one of us um, brings him up when we talk golf on this podcast when we're previewing a major. But he's at $10,700. Will Zalatoris. Mm. just feel like, you know, it's it's like racing. I feel like, you know, you run top ten, you run top five. Eventually, if you run up front enough – you're going to kick the door in and, and get the victory lane, uh, so to speak, to steal a racing analogy. So I'll take Zalatoris as our as our number two golfer. Oh, good. Uh, I'm thinking. Yeah, yeah, I, I got two here. Well, I, yeah, if, if, if you say both names, I'll give you a, a little salary. Maybe we'll, I mean, you know, yeah, I got 38,000 bucks left here. All right, the, the, the two guys I have for the second pick here, um, my second pick, third overall, I, I'm i between Matt Fitzpatrick and Shane Lowry. Um, you know, a couple, couple guys from the British Isle, um, Ireland and England there. I, uh, I, you know, Lowry, he's got the long ball. He can put it where it needs to be. Fitzpatrick's got the great short game, great putting game. Gun to head, I'm going to take Fitzpatrick. I feel like he's he's – kind of in that same Zalatoris range there. And, uh, yeah, yeah. But, dude, both of those guys. <laughs> Fitzpatrick is $10,400, and Shane and I are right below him, $10,300. So mm. totally, totally nailed that. Yeah, I, uh, give, give me Fitzpatrick on that one. I think he's, he's due. I think Lowry's won before, and I think Fitzpatrick's next in line here. I like that pick. I do. All right, so for the fourth overall pick here, um you know if you want to look at this graphic on the screen here we got 9200 bucks per player left uh on average here 27,600 bucks here um you know i i'm kind of feeling i'm kind of feeling fee now mm-hmm. i feel like he's been quiet for a while uh he's got the game um I don't know, but I, oh, here's, here's, here's some JM at, at 9,800 bucks here. Um, I feel like, you know, the Asians always, they, they, they pay attention to details of the game. And I feel like you're going to have to really be, uh, on your game with your, with your putter here. Andy's a little cheaper, a hundred dollars cheaper. Um, I'm going to take him Sun JM. At nine thousand eight hundred bucks, so we got two spots left here. Uh, we got eighty nine hundred bucks a piece on average to spin here. Um, this is kind of dart at a dartboard in the dark territory here. So, uh, what about what about the fifth pick? Oh man, fifth pick again between two guys here. I, I know one guy's going to be more. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm between Tommy Fleetwood and Kevin Kisner here. Um, Kiz never never won a, a, a major here, and I think he's been playing some good golf. You know, he's the people's golfer. But Fleetwood, you know, back think back to Aaron Hills, kind of the course in the same style a few years ago. Um, he played great there. Was in the final pairing with Brooks. Um, was going shot for shot until he messed up late. Um, so I, I I I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Fleetwood here. I, I feel like you know the his his style suits this kind of course. All right, that gives us eighty two hundred dollars to spare here, um, guys. At the eighty two hundred dollar level, Aaron Hadwin, um, bunch of guys that I have no idea really who they are. Stuart Sink at eight thousand, Martin Keimer at eight thousand bucks here. Um, let's see. 
Bill Hostler at seventy eight hundred bucks. Um, let's go here. I am scrolling. This is riveting podcasting here. Um, I'm gonna take a flyer. I'm gonna take a flyer here. Let's go. Mm, I feel like Patrick Rogers. Let's go, Patrick Rogers here. This is I don't feel like a lot of guys are gonna have Patrick Rogers. Mm-hmm. I don't really know Patrick Rogers. He's eight thousand bucks. Um he's made twelve out of the last twenty cuts. Um I don't know. This guy this guy could be the guy that wins us the competition or doesn't. Um it was between him and Martin Keimer. I you know, Stuart Sinks at eight thousand. Um uh, yeah, Patrick Rogers. He's our boy now. So there you go. There's our lineup. Um, real quick, just from a, from a gambling perspective here, um, Rory plus 1000 is the favorite JT at 1200 Rom plus 1500 Scotty Scheffler plus 1500, uh, Cam Smith plus 2100 Spieth is plus 2500. Um, if he, if you had a, a, an actual pick here to win the thing, you going with your boy Spieth since you took him one overall or. Um, or you got a, a second option or a dark horse here? Yeah, I, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna roll a speed on this one. Um, and then you know my 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 second kind of dark horse, who's not really a dark horse, um, there might be a new segment. Uh, Will Zalatoris. I, I, okay. You know, we, I was close with him at the PGA. Um, you know we're we're a Zalatoris pod. Um, so I gotta I gotta ride with him still. Yeah, I yeah he's um. What is he? Sal Torres is plus three thousand here. So, yeah, that that's that's my pick, taking him second overall. Um, also, I I kind of hate I kind of hate him, but uh, Patrick Reed at plus twelve thousand kind of jumps off the odds page to me a little bit. Um, who else? Um, I feel like. Louis U stays and always, ju- and it's probably just the name. He's a plus 7,500. I feel like he always jumps off the page. Um, I have no feel for, for this. I'm just going to kick back. I entered that lineup. We'll see how it does. But um, yeah, I, I think Big Willie Z uh, gets it done here for us um, in, in the U.S. Open. Any, any closing remarks for the U.S. Open uh, preview, or you want to talk a little race and get out of here? Yeah, I'm, I'm ready for a little racing. All right. Well, I just wanted to, you know, NASCAR's on a little break here. Uh, no racing this weekend. Father's Day weekend, I believe. Um, but uh, I don't know. I feel like you and I is kind of in a weird spot. Uh, a couple weeks ago, Kyle Larson kind of had a race in the bag at the 600. Uh, doesn't get it done. Um, late, Kyle Busch, the, the following week at uh, Gateway in uh in st louis or the greater st louis area um he had an opportunity to get a win so both our kyle's kind of blue races um but um i feel like the racing's been good if you uh take away our our biases and then last week at sonoma on the road course um i was happy for daniel suarez to finally get that cup win uh just your thoughts on on uh you know, the, the break and Suarez's win or wherever you want to take it real quick. Yeah. Um, I, I feel like the 600 and, and gateway two really good races this year. Um, mm-hmm. uh, very pleased with them. You know, my, Kyle Bush finished second in both races there. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I feel like, he's, yeah, he's finished second, like three or four races in a row up until Sonoma. So I was kind of like, he's got to get one. I mean, he's already got the dirt race that he, snuck out of the nowhere um and he's been snake bitten so many times this year uh but the good races overall sonoma i was the racing the the race itself i i didn't care for it, it it's so hard it was so hard to pass i i do like them going back to the the old layout uh i feel like that was a lot better um mm-hmm. a lot faster race too um and like you said, Suarez getting that win. That was incredible. The emotion out of him, uh, out of the team after that. Trackhouse is 
making their way to, uh, you know, with the big boys. Um, that's, that's nice to see uh, a team start like that in, in year two and win three races. Um, so I'm, I'm really happy about that. Um, but yeah, it, it's, it's good to have a break. I feel like there's been a race every Sunday at four o'clock in the afternoon, starting super late. There's been no Saturday night races. Um, so I'm kind of excited for NBC to get the broadcast the rest of the year, uh, you know, bring back some Saturday night races. I think we got two superb ones with Daytona and the Bristol playoff race. So I'm looking forward to it. And it, it's nice to have a little bit of a break. The, it's kind of getting um, to like, like I said, beginning of the podcast, it's the dog days of summer. Like, you're just counting down the hours in the day. You're not really looking forward to anything. Yeah, I was going to bring up, but uh, great, great on you to mention. Uh, it does switch to switch to NBC next week when when the coverage picks back, back picks back up. Excuse me. Um, they they just have a better product. Mm-hmm. I mean, Fox Fox will have a battle for the lead going, and they'll be fucking going to commercial break or. And I know it's hard to predict things, but. And you got to hit your your advertising dollar windows, but um, it's just Fox is constantly getting roasted on um, on Twitter and social media during their broadcast because they they kind of do a piss poor job. In all honesty, plus I mean I I like Clint Boyer as a personality, uh, but the revolving door they've had as a, as you know co analyst this year has kind of been a little weird. Um, I, I get it. Like Jeff Gordon, uh, my favorite driver of all time. I'm not saying he was great at it, but him kind of leaving uh, to to take a f- more full time role at Hendrick Motorsports was kind of kind of left him in kind of a bad spot, I guess, um, this year. But love NBC. Um, they kind of got a crowded booth, but they they change some things. They do some different things with the broadcast here or there. You know, every year I think they've had it back. They've they've done like a radio style broadcast, um, you know, and uh, Junior and and Jeff Burt and then Steve Latard are all really good analysts too and entertaining and and it's a better product. So uh, one more NASCAR thing, and then we'll, we'll we'll talk a little F one and get out of here. Um, I think we've had thirteen, yeah, thirteen different winners thus far. Um, we're not that far away from the cutoff what, like four or five rounds maybe Ooh. left uh, to a cutoff. Do you think we get to 16 or 17 different winners where essentially if you won, if it was 16, the 16 winners would go to the playoffs. Uh, 17, you're, you're eliminating a guy who won a race. Um, so, I mean, I think that's an awful big ask. Um, the, the percentage would be low, but I mean, I don't know if we thought we'd have 13 different ones at this juncture. So your thoughts, do you think we can get there? What do you think we'll get to? What would be the number before the playoffs of different winners? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I really hope we do get to 16. I, I feel like that we can, I mean, that'd be cool. We're at, we're at 13 right now. Uh, three guys without a win. Martin Truex Jr. is due. Christopher, yeah. Christopher Bell, Kevin Harvick. I mean, Eric Alcarola, he snuck in with New Hampshire win last year. Uh, Tyler mm-hmm. Reddick has finished second. Feels like every race of his career. Um, I, I feel like it, I, I'm really hoping for more than 16. Honestly, I, I, I want to see who gets left out and if it leads to some sort of change in the the point system. Um, so I and, and with this car, like we've seen it, Trackhouse has won three races this year. You know they wouldn't have won one race in five years with a previous generation car. So it's, it's leveled the playing field for sure. And I, like I said, like I just said, the, the, those three guys without a win, I mean, they're all close and they're all due. Yeah. I mean, and not that he's been close or shown the speed, but I mean, Austin Dillon's been a race winner uh, throughout his career. He, he's another name you could throw in the hat. Uh, hell, if you look at last week, Chris Busher and second, I'm mm-hmm. not saying that's going to be every week for that 17 bunch at, at uh, you know, Keselowski's new team, but uh, there's another guy, Brad Keselowski. Yeah, um, yeah there, there's – and it's good to see there's – I don't know if we listed them out. There's probably 20, 23, 24, somewhere in there, capable drivers that it really wouldn't be stunning, um, you know, if they're race winners, you know. 
And I just, I just totally blanked on him until just now. A guy who's been so consistent this year, who hasn't won a race still, is Blaney. I mean, he won, <laughs> he won the All Star race, but he hasn't done much else other than, you know, run top tens and you know, seventeen winners, sixteen winners. He's out. And after being so consistent and being, you know, top five in points most of the year, that that would be devastating. No doubt. I thought he might have won early in the year, but maybe not. I don't know. But either way, um, I don't know. It's like, um, and I didn't expect Kyle Larson to just to go on a dominating tear uh, and and just go on like a Jimmy Johnson or Jeff Gordon type run. I'd I would love to see that, but um, I mean, he got his win out of the way early in the year. Um, has had speed at times, but I mean. Seating wise, playoff points wise, I don't know. Uh, I don't really know where he'd be when they get all the playoff situation mm-hmm. uh, and the format and stuff like that. And I think I don't know where you're at. I'm not. A, I've never been a huge fan of the chase or the playoffs. Um, but I mean, it's kind of the system we have. So you just kind of. You, you, I'm just trying to buy into it, or I've bought in, tried to buy into it, um, because that's kind of where we're at and where we're going and where we've been. So, um, but um, I do like that. They put a premium on winning five, six years ago, whatever it's been now. Um, I mean, that's kind of the name of the game. So if we did see 18 winners, let's say, and the playoffs started and you left a couple guys uh, off, off the playoffs, obviously uh, not getting that top 16, then that would kind of morph it back into you had to show a little consistency and it kind of morphed the two ways the, the points raced in NASCAR's history. So uh, I wouldn't hate that. That'd be, that'd be wild. Um, and you know, NASCAR's loving it all the parody. Yeah. Yeah. Just, just bring back the lead one lap and get five bonus points. That's the I did like that. <laughs> bring that back. That was always such a big thing on the broadcast too. Like, oh, yeah. Yep. Lake speed and the spam Thunderbird. And in, in 95, like leading the lap at Michigan during like a fuel run, uh, mm-hmm. middle of the race or something like that. You're just like, there, there's five bonus points. Like everybody knew it, but it was cool. Um, I agree with that. Bring that back. Um, all right. So F1, I don't know if you want to talk about this, um, but my man, I, 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 uh, they're in Canada this week. So we got another week of racing to look forward to right away. Um, but I guess do I ask you if Charles gets on pole again and then Ferrari invents a I mean a blown engine you can't fucking do anything about that but um, just it's tough I I'm sure you've seen that stat Max has more wins from Charles poles than Charles has that's tough let's take the floor like if you want to vent uh, sulk whatever it's, it's yours you know I. I, I tweeted during the race early Sunday morning. I said, it's about time for Mick or Latifi to hit the wall. And no sooner than I hit sin, <laughs> Carlos, Carlos retires. And I'm like, all right, well, Charles is, we got, we got the safety car. He, he pitted and he got the lead back and was out to a 17 second lead. I was like, great. Nothing can go wrong. And then it all went wrong again. I, I don't know. How, I, the, the, the chances that this keeps happening are they're pretty high. I mean, hopefully it's fixed, but two surefire wins at Monaco and Spain, and then maybe a third possible win here. Um, just it just sucks. Like after oh, so much yeah, no promise, doubt. so much promise to start the year, and, and you know, finally seeing a team that was such dog shit for the last two three years to finally be back on top was incredible, and then it's just. It's all gone downhill, um, you know. You know we don't get the summer break for F one until um, last weekend, last week of July, um, after Hungary. I think that's what Ferrari needs. They they need a good reset, a good break, a good two three week break, just to fix the problems. And you know, I I, I trust them. Uh, I know that you know in the facility in Marinello, they're going to come up with a fix, um, and they'll be back. I, you said it is Charles will get another poll? I sure as shit hope not because the last four he hasn't <laughs> done a damn thing with. Um, so I, I feel like they're going to be good. You know, sections or sectors one and two, 
a lot of high speed, medium speed corners. And then obviously the last sector, the, the long straight away to the checkered um, is that that's going to suit Red Bull. It's just going to be like Ferrari's going to dominate sector one and two again, sector three, Red Bull makes it all up. So yeah. I'm yeah. Looking... Yeah. Go yeah. Ahead. No, I was just going to jump in. I, Maybe it hasn't produced the best of racing. I love the circuit in Canada, though. You're oh, right. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of a it's in a park, um, a little bit of a kind of a street circuit vibe to it. Uh, you got the Wall of Champions. Um, that would worry me um, since Max. I mean, he's probably hit it before, maybe in the Toro Rosso days, but he wasn't a champion yet. Um, you know, it's kind of a wall at the end of the chicane right before you get to the, the pit straight um, uh, and the start-finish line straight. Uh, that's kind of a trademark there, but it, it's kind of a tight course. But you're right, it, it does have uh, some areas of uh, some speed. Um, so you kind of have to have a well-balanced car, and I, I just always like Canada. Plus, maybe not to – I feel bad for bringing this up. You're a Ferrari fan, but I feel like that 2019 race – um, uh, where Vettel kind of, or he did get the five second penalty for a judgment call when he squeezed Lewis and, and the, the last part of the first sector there going through the trees. Um, but that seemed like a, that could have been a good battle, uh, until the FIA came in, but gave us one of the all time moments of F1 in the last years where Vettel went and switched the, the positioning boards <laughs> and park for May, uh, that was just classic Seb. Like we all know, I had the pace. Maybe he did, probably did, but uh, I wanted to see that battle. And as soon as the FIA butted in, Lewis was just like, "All right, I don't need to push this. Just stay within that five-second buffer." And and the checkers mine because it was late in the race, but that that was at a competitive uh, Canadian Grand Prix. Maybe the best. Um, you know, a lot of people think the best Grand Prix ever was 2011, the monsoon race that Jensen Button came from last twice uh to win it so uh canada could throw some weather i don't know if it's supposed to but uh that could that could factor in but uh i don't know it's just kind of hard to not pick one of the two red bull men uh to win and the other to the podium at least um but i i think you're right what you said about ferrari um they just kind of got to keep tread water here uh and get to the summer break and I feel like maybe last point I'm making. I feel like maybe you and I did a little kibosh um, on Ferrari, not intentional, but we came into the year saying like, well, Red Bull stepping out on their own, making power units and stuff like that. Like, don't know if that's gonna work out right away. And first couple of races, they had a little issue here or there, and we're like, well, see, smartest guys in the room. And then we put some kind of voodoo hex on on um ferrari's luck but um i don't know we'll, we'll see what happens i'm excited you got any predictions for this race are you afraid to make one you're gonna try to reverse jinx it where what are you doing here uh the last time i tried to reverse jinx it worked um uh, the australia <laughs> down in tennessee i placed a legal wager on max verstappen to win um and then obviously his engine shit the bed there and charles came out with the win um and it's all gone downhill since then so i'm gonna not do that again <laughs> um <laughs> yeah charles was on he was on podium he was third last time out here in 2019 um, yeah he he's he's good at this course i feel, I feel like he he's got a knack for the the street courses like this you know monaco baku france uh singapore he, he's good in these tight quarters and these technical um areas of the track um and you know this is track is kind of like if Melbourne and France were smushed together. It's in a park. It's super tight, super long. Um, so I, I feel like he's got a really good chance as long as reliability holds up here. Um, I, I think the only constant that I can guarantee that's going to happen in this race is that uh, my cousin George is going to finish fifth or better. Um, he's continued to do that with that tractor, that gray tractor that Mercedes has made this year. I um, so I – and. If I had to pick a race winner, I'm going to go with uh, Checo as much as it pains me. I think he's been really good lately. Um, I feel like he kind of got – I don't know if it was a car problem or what, but I feel like there there was some sort of Red Bull 
behind the scenes thing where he um, ended up losing in uh, Azerbaijan. Uh, I feel like he had the car, you know, obviously the opening lap when he dove down the inside on Charles at turn one um, and took the lead there and he was having a great race. And I just feel like Red Bull is just trying to make sure that their, their golden pony stays number one and it's really backfiring for him. Well, that's, yeah, that's why I would take Max again, just because I'm afraid of some kind of team orders. Um, I mean, I guess you would hope um, maybe Checo puts it on the pole or mm-hmm. the front row again, and maybe Max has a little issue. Uh, basically, Monaco, where Max didn't qualify well enough to, to be able to position a, a team-ordered swap or whatever, and Checo could just get gone uh, and, and have the lead. So, but... um. Yeah, he's been he's been really fucking good uh, for them. Um, by far, one of the most crafty guys, whether you like him or not, on the grid. So it's good to see. And um, yeah, I, I worry for not so much George's back. That's that's like a what a twenty one, twenty two year old back. Lewis, on the other hand, that back's close to forty. Uh, I worry about that now. Canada going to be a little bit smoother. <laughs> Than Monaco and and Baku, but still, not going to be like it's not going to be great for that Mercedes. And they keep saying they're going to fix it and work on it, and um, just haven't found the solution yet. But um, yeah, I crazy, but uh, yeah, I I guess if I had to make a pick, I'd take for stop and just um, then until that stops um, consistently. I feel like that's just kind of. The, the smart play to make, but I'm excited for it. I'll be watching. Mm-hmm. And it's a two o'clock race. So perfect for us. Yeah. On the East coast. Yes. Yes. Great point. Um, all right, man. Well, I think that should about do it. Um, anything we missed. I think we had it all. I agree. Uh, I'm going to get this hockey game going here. Um, and, and watch game one of the Stanley cup finals. Um, I'll do the plugs real quick. Rate, review, subscribe. Uh, follow the show on Twitter and Facebook at Podcock PCAST. Uh, review it, give it five stars, whatever you need to do, share with the friend. We really appreciate it. And um, I don't know, we'll probably be back next week, at least to recap the finals a little bit. Um, I don't know, maybe a couple weeks or whatever. Um, I don't know. We got to get rolling on some football preview stuff. Not this month, uh, but July, August preview magazines are about to start hitting newsstands getting the blood pumping getting excited about the pigskin coming back so uh get bryce back uh to talk a little pigskin uh should be some exciting times but anyway enough yammering for me uh bobby any famous last words hey do or die game six game seven let's go celtics and uh happy father's day dad i love you man yeah to all all the dads out there uh mine included uh happy father's day as well great great point And uh, yeah, I think that's a perfect ending. We'll see you next time.